to the Word of God as the church summarizes it and confesses it in Lord's Day 19 of the Heidelberg Catechism, continuing to look at what we confess in the Apostles' Creed. Lord's Day 19 is on page 533 in the Book of Praise. Here the church confesses, and why is it added and sits at the right hand of God? Christ ascended into heaven to manifest himself there as head of his church, through whom the Father governs all things. How does the glory of Christ our head benefit us? First, by his Holy Spirit, he pours out heavenly gifts upon us, his members. Second, by his power, he defends and preserves us against all enemies. What comfort is it to you that Christ will come to judge the living and the dead? In all my sorrow and persecution, I lift up my head and eagerly await as judge from heaven the very same person who before has submitted himself to the judgment of God for my sake and has removed all the curse from me. He will cast all his and my enemies into everlasting condemnation but he will take me and all his chosen ones to himself into heavenly joy and glory. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, do you know who will be in heaven? Think about everything that scripture says. Who will be in heaven? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 teaches us that it will be everybody whose faith in Jesus Christ gives them a strong desire to worship him with their whole life. And he does that in the context of Isaiah 66 where they were going through the motions and he said, well, your grain offering, you might as well be offering pig's blood because it's not sincere. Worship that is sincere. Heaven will be filled with believers who really want to worship God and who don't just show up in church when it is convenient for them. Heaven will be filled with believers who make sacrifices for their faith, who suffer persecution and affliction rather than disobey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Heaven will be filled with people who don't make personal comforts on this earth their God. People who soldiered through inconveniences as they worship Jesus Christ because they love Him. They love to worship Him. People who truly desire to spend eternity praising God. Do you love to worship God so that you are genuinely sad and, and, and disappointed when you have to miss a worship service? Do you love to praise Him together with the saints? to pray toward him, to him, with other believers around you, to hear his word proclaimed, the gospel made clear in your hearts and your minds. 
Are you so eager to worship the Lord at every opportunity you get that you would never willfully choose to do anything beside, when you ha- besides praising Him, worshiping Him? Well, if you are not so eager to worship Him, then it would appear from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 that you wouldn't really enjoy eternity in heaven with him. Because we read in verse 10 that Jesus is coming in order to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among those who have believed. He's come in order that the worship that we may offer just a few times in a week, just a few minutes of our, of our week, that that worship can continue in its fullness and develop in all parts. We read in 2 Thessalonians 1 that Christ's punishment of unbelievers, those who do not love Jesus Christ, do not love to worship him, that Christ's punishment of unbelievers will spare them from being called to worship the Lord in eternity, to marvel at his grace in thankfulness. Because that's what we'll do when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. And for us who believe, that makes us very eager for our Lord Jesus to return. On Judgment Day, his glory will be seen very clearly For all the world will see him as he is, the glorious one, seated on his his throne. And having ended all persecution of the righteous by punishing the unbelieving, the mighty God will receive unending praise from the mouths, from the lives, from everything we do of all who believe in him. And I preach you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme, and we're taking it mostly from verses 6 to 10 of 2 Thessalonians 1, that our Lord Jesus will reveal his glory on the day of judgment. We'll see that he will be revealed from heaven in flaming fire. That's verses uh, 7 to 8a. We'll see that he will punish the unrepentant. So that's verse 6 and also the end of 8 to 9. And then he will receive glory from his saints. That's verses 10 to 12 of 2 Thessalonians 1. So we can see from Scripture, 2 Thessalonians 1, we read that on a day, the Lord Jesus, it's verse 7, the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven. The word revealed gives the idea of a person taking a, a dust cover off a new car or a cover off a statue or like he will appear from another dimension. He is there the whole time but we can't see him right now and then all of a sudden the veil will disappear and we will see him as he is revealed from heaven. And then the words from heaven remind us where he is. They remind us that our Lord Jesus Christ has ascended into heaven at right this moment, right at this time, he is ruling over the whole universe. 
2 Thessalonians 1 verse 7, the Holy Spirit tells us that Jesus will be revealed in that day with his mighty angels. Then we'll see the majesty in which he sits today. Based on what Stephen saw in Acts 7 verse 55, where we read, Full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And based on what the Holy Spirit says in Ephesians 1 verse 20, we know that Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, right now is seated at the right hand of God. And one day we will all see that he will be revealed. And to be at the right hand of God is to be in a place of great honor and great authority. In our Lord Jesus' case, it means that he and the Father right now are working closely together so that not only is Jesus the perfect advocate before, uh, for the church before the Father, but also the Father, we confess, governs all things through him. And the church will immediately recognize Jesus Christ as their king, the one who submitted himself to the judgment of God for our sake. We will immediately recognize him as our savior mostly because we have always recognized him as our Lord and savior. Throughout our lives, we have received with thanksgiving the gifts that he has been pouring out upon us as the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts and, and guides us each day through his word. It won't be a surprise for us to see Jesus Christ because we, will already, we already know him. As a, we'll look into the eyes of our judge and we'll see our beloved Savior there. Having believed in Jesus Christ and already being transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, where we will see and where we can already see evidence of his presence among us and our faith and our willingness to suffer for him and our desire to worship him. We'll look to our Lord Jesus and we'll know him. We confess that the glory of Christ our head in heaven benefits us because by his power he already defends and preserves us against all enemies. The assumption in our confession that comes directly from scripture is that everyone who belongs to the kingdom of God will suffer for their faith. In 2 Thessalonians we read verse 5 that true believers who are considered worthy of the kingdom of God, who are walking with Jesus Christ, will be steadfast and faithful in all the persecutions and all the sorrows that they are enduring. Second Thessalonians 2 tells us that on the day that the Lord Jesus is revealed, this is the next chapter, the church will be in a context of much persecution. You can read in chapter 2 about the man of lawlessness. You can read that Jesus Christ will come back and he will find a, a general falling away from the word of God. Maybe something like we read in Isaiah 66 
where people go through the motions of worship but do not love the Lord. Jesus promised to protect and to hold on to his own. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 7 to 8 says that Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and then we read in flaming fire characterizes the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, something visible, something majestic, and then fiery that points to a time of purification. And in our text, we see the other side of defending and preserving the church. The Lord is defending and preserving the church. He is also punishing those who afflict the church. We see vengeance and punishment. On the day when our Lord Jesus is revealed with his mighty angels in flaming fire, we read in verse 6 that he will also repay with affliction those who afflict you. He grants relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. You see, the apostles were among those who suffered afflictions because of their faith. And together with all the church, they also were looking for forward to the day when no one would hinder their work in God's kingdom anymore. The reason we desire relief from afflictions is that afflictions hinder our ability to live in God's kingdom for his glory. Our call, our desire in this life is to worship God fully. And that is why we're frustrated with sins. We're frustrated with our weakness. We're frustrated with the afflictions. It is hard to do our work and have meaningful, growing relationships to raise our family, worship our God with heart, soul, and mind when there is constant resistance. And we are happy to know that when Christ will come to judge the living and the dead, he will remove these obstacles when he punishes all those who afflict the church. We do not delight in the punishment of the wicked, but we are thankful that God will make it possible for us to worship him fully. You confess the following, that you confess that Christ will cast all his and my enemies into everlasting condemnation. So who are these enemies of Jesus Christ. The enemies are not only people who don't know him as Savior, so they don't want to worship him, as you see in verse 8a. It says, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God. But also, says the Holy Spirit, the second part of verse 8, also those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus considers those enemies as well, those who do not obey what he says. Or as we say in the form for Lord's Supper, that those who despise the proclamation of the word and the sacraments. Now we have to think about our own lives. How sincere is our worship? Is it a desire 
that we have in our heart to, to be in the presence of, Lord, of the Lord, praising Him and worshiping Him. Well, if you're sleeping right now, probably not. If you didn't care about coming here this afternoon, and that's easy to say because you're not here. But then I'd say it again, probably not. And then we see that 2 Thessalonians 1 gives a very serious warning. It's a call to repentance. It's a reminder of what we heard this morning. God can see your heart. You can pretend, you can fool people, but you cannot fool God. It's an urgent call, brothers and sisters. Be honest. If you want to worship the Lord, worship Him with all your heart, every opportunity that you have. That's the promise of heavenly joy and glory. And if you don't understand why that would be a blessing, it's time to go back to your word. It's time to reconsider what the Bible teaches about what the gospel is. Thankfully, it's not everybody in the world. Thankfully, there are many who are willing to make sacrifices for their faith to worship God. Thankfully, the promise is that Jesus Christ will receive glory from his saints. We read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 that although all people will have to respect God on the day of judgment, only his saints will be filled with joy, eager to glorify him to marvel at who he is. The day will come when we will do what we have always wanted to do. To use our heads and our hearts and our hands to worship God, to glorify God fully in our work, in our relationships, in our worship, in the complete sincerity that God reveals to us in the Ten Commandments. If your heart is feeling that, that eager desire for that full worship that glorifies God with, with every part of your being, and you see what heavenly joy and glory is about. It's a lot more than just some clouds and harps and children's choirs. It's a promise of a full expression of all that God has made you to be for the praise of his glory. The full praise of all the saints. All those whom God has washed clean in the blood of his son Jesus Christ. And all those who see that and know that and who are filled with joy. That's the goal of Christ's return. It's the so that of his coming. And it's the desire of everyone who believes. So the apostle tells the church in verses 11 and 12 of chapter 1, to this end we always pray for you 
that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for what we desire. Do you pray that God will make you worthy of his calling? Do you pray that the Lord Jesus might be glorified in, in you and through you? And when this is what your life looks like now already, you can know that God is working in your heart by his Holy Spirit because the desire to worship God and to make sacrifices for his kingdom, that doesn't come from our own sinful hearts, but it is from the Lord himself. And what a blessed day it will be when our Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his angels in flaming fire. If you look at chapter 2, verse 1, you can see that it speaks of the Lord Jesus. When he comes, we can count on being gathered together to him. And Isaiah 66 adds to that. You can see the assembly will come from all different nations and, and everyone will be there to serve him and worship him. The, the ultimate promise ending Isaiah 66 is that even other nations will be Levites. They will be allowed to be a part of the worship of God that includes us. And one day we will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when that happens, the Lord Jesus says in Luke 21, he says you should straighten up. And you should raise your heads to see him come because your redemption is drawing near. It will be the great calling of all God's people. The Lord Jesus will come and the call will go, come to the worship service when the Lord Jesus will receive all the praise and all the glory and all the thanks and the honor from all those he has chosen to himself. One day when the number of God's elect is full, then Jesus Christ will reveal himself, seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty in heaven with his angels in flaming fire. He will come to judge the living and the dead, punishing those who are not thankful for his work, who don't actually even want to worship him, but are only here for selfish motives, so that he might be glorified and worshipped and marveled at by you who love him who look forward to this day, who right now are eager for his coming. Take heart, my dear brother and my dear sister. The Son of God will remove all those obstacles that hinder your pure worship today. You don't have to enter into judgment for those when you believe in Jesus Christ. And then... You will praise him eternally. Amen. We'll sing now the last two stanzas of Psalm 90.